Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Bucks quarterback Tom Brady guaranteed a win in Super Bowl 55. Well, it wasn't the Joe Namath variety, but it was close. He also had a players-only pregame speech. We'll tell you all about that. The Lightning beat Nashville 4-1. They're now 8-1-1, tying for the franchise's best start. And the Rays made a trade. We've got all that and more on this post-Super Bowl hangover edition, I guess, on Sports Day, Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, Bucks fans, don't miss out on a chance to relive the incredible season with a hardcover collector's book. It's full of compelling stories and action-packed photos from my colleagues and me at the Tampa Bay Times. This 160-page book will put you inside the huddle. It's a perfect way to commemorate an incredible season. Just go to bucksbook.com to order. It's regularly $39.95, but for a limited time, you can save $10 when you pre-order. The offer expires February 17th. All right, Steve, so uh, I had a chance to uh, listen in uh, and uh you know, Bruce Arians and Tom Brady started their day very early. They were up early because they were out late last night, if they went to bed at all. I said, what do you More mean up that? early? Yeah, right. <laughs> Weren't they still up? I'm still up, um, pretty much. I think, you know, Brady said that, because uh, somebody asked, well, you know, how was it? This is At least we know he's been to 10 Super Bowls. as the first one that after the game he slept in his own bed. He goes, well, actually I didn't sleep in my own bed. I slept in my daughter's bed because we had like – Five or five, five nieces and nephews in my bed last night. So um, I'm sure he could find a space in that twenty thousand square foot house or whatever it is over there. Probably more. Well, they than only it. got two beds in there or something. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> I mean I I don't know why they all piled in his. He must have like the master suite, I guess. I don't know. We know the Wi-Fi doesn't work, but I figure there's enough beds. There has to be. There's so many rooms and so many bathrooms. There has to be enough beds. Although Antonio Brown might still be taking one up. Who knows? Um, but anyway, he. Uh, he said he had to get up and take, uh, you know, his one son, Jack, to the airport at 630 in the morning, you know, and uh, to which I, I would be like to be the bellman and go, hey, Tom, nice game, buddy. Um, what are you doing up so early? <laughs> but they uh, they had their party, of course, at the aquarium. And that was a whole thing, too. You know, like I was when I was a pool reporter, I had to I found out from, uh, you know, from Bruce Arians, he was disappointed because he's like, look. You know, we wanted to have a party, and they were, yes, they were planning a party, uh, probably win or lose, most teams do, but I think they were pretty confident they were going to win. And, you know, they wanted to do it at the team facility, which, here, you know, this doesn't make sense to me, really, but then the NFL really does. It's always about lawyers, right? This is, this is about lawyers. Um, basically, when they checked with the NFL, they said, originally they said, nope, no parties, you know, COVID, bad idea, right? To which you think, well, wait a minute. So the players are going to go out and they're going to, you know, they're going to start drinking in the champagne in the locker room. And then they're going to go out and their choices are, you know, strip clubs or nightclubs, you know, which neither one is a great idea because you got gatherings and throngs of people that are going to surround them. Right. So then the NFL came back and said, well, you can have a party, but you can't have it at the facility. And they're like, well, okay, but that doesn't make sense. We got, 
you know, it's protected. We got the outdoor, the indoor. We can stay away from each other, whatever. So now we got to plan a party, but it can't be here. And then they came out with a third thing that said, you can have a party, you can't have a facility, and here are the guidelines for that party. <laughs> so one of them was, uh, and this is funny, I, I, did, did anybody catch, I hope you caught Bruce Arians on Jimmy Kimmel Live. He was hysterical, as Bruce often is. Um, in fact, he was sitting there drinking a Crown Royal, you know, that he held up to Jimmy Kimmel. As he should be. As 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 anyone would be that just won a Super Bowl. Win or lose, we booze, baby. But when we win Super Bowl, we really booze. Um, but so he held up the drink, and so they're talking about his party, and he says, well, you know, they had divers in the aquarium wearing our uh, wearing our uniforms and stuff like that. And he says, you know, they told us we had to wear a mask unless we were drinking. He goes, I didn't have mine on all night. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just a great line, and I, and I'm sure it was true too. What a what a moment! What a what a you know the last 24 hours. I was thinking, if you're a fan, you can't turn on the television without Bucks wall to wall, reliving the Super Bowl. It was such a total annihilation, you know, in that game. Um, you know, I think uh, I saw a stat where, you know, they 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 had pressure on Patrick Mahomes 29 times in that game on mm-hmm. his dropbacks, 29 dropbacks, which is just an incredible amount of, of uh, pressures. And, you know, they just never had a chance in that game. But it uh, – Well, you and I were talking, and, and the stat was out last night. I don't think we said it. But Patrick Mahomes ran for 497 yards of scrambling. Yeah. And I think he only had like maybe 50 yards of total. You know, at one point in the fourth quarter, I looked up, he had 34 yards rushing. So those weren't yards that were productive. That's those are scrambles during pass attempts, right? Just just being chased. He was chased 500 yards, which is just in, incredible to me. And that's how much he ran. So yeah, they got after him pretty good. And um, you know, it. Uh, well, we saw that. You know, everybody saw the game now, and people are asking. You know, was it a bad game plan? No, no. The Bucks. Look, looking back, I I realize now because I was there, and and you know, we, me and you said it all week. And and there's a lot of analysts. I mean, most analysts picked Kansas City. Most said they were going to score 36, 37 points. It'd be a shootout. All of that stuff, right? And and you could have Las Vegas made a ton of money on this game because, um, you know, not only were the Chiefs favored, but they only scored nine points, so even the over was was out of whack, right? Um, but you know, it, it came down like we like we had said to the defensive line uh, of the Bucks against the offensive line of the Chiefs, which was battered and and beaten up, and it was also just a bad game plan. And, and the Chiefs didn't play well; they dropped passes um, when they did have a chance to move the football. Thought they should have run the ball more with Clyde Edwards-Helaire, who was effective. Andy Reid just not did not coach a very good game. They didn't play a very good game, and they lost. But the Bucks were very confident going into that. I mean, I when I look back at it, it's like there was no way they were going to lose that game. And and when you get to this game, the Super Bowl, that's how you have to feel. Like, you know, there's few things worse, maybe not getting to a Super Bowl, but there's few things worse than losing one. And that the idea that you would lose in your home stadium would be just as, as unappealing as ever. And so along those lines, we know about their quarterback, who we talked to, on Monday because the MVP and the head coach were up at 8.30 doing an interview with Roger Goodell, which is awkward for Tom Brady. Um, and At you know, this point, is it really awkward for him or is it awkward for Goodell? It's awkward for Goodell. It's not awkward for Tom. I mean, I mean Tom doesn't give. I got seven he, rings. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Ariana Grande and, and Tom Brady, Seven Rings. That was, that was the name of the song, yeah. of course. Speaking of Seven Rings, did you see Robert Ori's tweet? That's hysterical. <laughs> because when that you was... think of Seven Rings, you think of Robert Ori, right? Well, right. But it's true, though. He's like the only other yeah. goat. Right? If you take he out all the Celtics, he's got the most, mm-hmm. pretty much, of in the sports. And yeah. now Tom Brady joins Robert Ori in that group. He found himself on the right teams all the time. It was, what was it Houston for a while and the Bulls, right? Yeah, Bulls and winning on the Lakers too, I think. Uh, something like that. He was always yeah. – he had some big threes. I think he was with the Spurs too, I think. So he's been I think you're over. right. I think you're right. Yeah, so he joined that club. But anyway, so so Brady um, apparently – and this is this – is, like I wrote in the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com, this was not the Joe Namath, I guarantee it, you know, in front of a bunch of writers – um, but he did send a text message to all the players that just simply said, before the game, we will win, right? Power of positive thinking, I guess. Um, but he truly believed it. And then no sooner had I found out about that and wrote about it, then I also heard that players were buzzing about this, like the day of the game, which was Brady, who does not address the group very often. He does a lot of individual stuff he talks to a lot of players on the side he he's not he will address them and when he does he usually has a really good message well apparently he wanted he had a players only meeting before the super bowl and i guess it was like i it, it was termed to me it was the epic it was the most epic of epic speeches that anybody could give like he was just on fire so there was no way that they were going to go out there and lose that football game in their home at Raymond James Stadium, as ticked off as that defense was, um, you know, coming after that offensive line. And then the Bucks, you know, the Bucks on offense were just, they were just very efficient. I mean, they, they drove it down there. They scored touchdowns. They didn't kick field goals, kick one field goal, but they, for the most part, finished drives. They had that one, you know, the fourth and one. I was going to say, they in. could have been up even more if they convert on That's fourth what, and goal. Yeah. That's what Bruce said. He goes, we could have, you know, of course I got the ball back in good field position, so I don't know if I count that as two possessions, but okay, I get what he's saying. But the, he, he felt like they could have scored 45, you know, that they, they left some points off the board, which is true. And, um, you know, that Brady had a guy, you know, he threw, he overthrew some guys in the end zone. Tanner Hudson had a step on somebody. Yeah, you know, he threw one out of bounds to Chris Godwin. I mean, you know, so there were some throws that he would have liked to have had back, even though he hit 80% of his passes in the first half. But I I do think that you know it was uh, just just no way they were going to lose that game. And the biggest reason, and we've talked about it, is that that quarterback and what he has accomplished, and all the things that he has done in his career, this is his greatest accomplishment bar none. He's now got, like we said, Ruthie and status. But those players on all sides of the football believe in him and you know, have followed his lead. I mean, in terms of discipline, in terms of not beating yourself, they had very few penalties. They've had almost no penalties since the Chicago game. And, you know, they played they played clean football. And it was interesting to see all the, you know, all the shows, the post game, and then all day sort of on Monday of every going, ah, how did we not see this? How did we not see that? Well, I don't know. Because it's just football, you know what I mean? And because Patrick they've been Mahomes, wanting to anoint Patrick Mahomes for years, 
And there you go. He's a We're hell of a always looking for the next. He's a hell of a quarterback. Oh. But it was already, well, it's going to be 6-2. Patrick's, you know, his third year, he's going to have a second. It's going to be 6-2. I mean, it was pretty much a done deal in, in most of the media's eyes. Is They wanted Patrick yeah. Mahomes to win that Super Bowl. Because we're always about next. And I, I get, believe me, outside of Boston and now Tampa, because I, like, even with, you know, when Brady was in Boston, I covered all those Super Bowls. And I was tired of having to write the same story. You know, it never seemed to change. Although he went, he went eight years without winning one. Okay. But he was in three of them. Um, and the thing is, is you just wanted something different, right? It just seemed so automatic. I mean, it was the AFC East. There wasn't a team that could challenge him in the East, really. So they were probably going to get home field advantage, which means they were going to at least the championship and probably the Super Bowl. And it was I think it was Brady, and I think Belichick was a big part of this. Like It was Brady-Belichick fatigue. And I wrote about this the week of the Super Bowl, which was I think Brady coming to Tampa Bay to this forlorn franchise that hasn't been to the playoffs in 13 years, 12 years, and hasn't won a playoff game since the Super Bowl 18 years ago. I think this sanitized him. I think this, you know, even though it's Brady, and I'm sure there's a lot of Brady haters, but it was like, whoa, this is different, right? He's 43. Um, He's doing this against incredible odds in a pandemic. He basically, you know, got the divorce from Belichick and wound up, like we've talked about in, in divorce analogies, he got the house, he got the, you know, the condo in uh, Barbados. I mean, he got, you know, he got it. He got the kids. He got everything. And and he made it happen. At 7-5, and five, he turned it around, and they didn't win a, another game after they played Kansas City. They won eight in a row. And I think that made him sort of heroic, you know, sort of the underdog, you know. And when has Tom Brady ever been the underdog? But he was in this game, you know. Whether you're talking about the three points or five, I think or the only Super Bowl he went in as the underdog besides this one was his first mm-hmm. one. Yes, yes, the Rams. Yeah, you're right. I think you're absolutely right. This segment of Sports Day Tampa Bay is brought to you by Moffitt Cancer Center. Moffitt is a proud partner of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Call one eight 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 Moffitt M O F F I T T. So you know for all those reasons i it, it was a it was the best story right of the year a storybook year that that got the happy ending that you know everybody um would have scripted if it were a movie or you know whatever and i just think you know for all and and i think he handled it well too you know because you saw another side of brady because he's with the bucks because you don't have the you know the hoodie up there we're on, we're on the Cincinnati, when you know quarterbacks got to play better, but we're, we're all got to play better. We're on the Cincinnati. You don't have that, right? You had win or lose, we booze, baby. You know everything's good, baby. Hey, baby. You know that guy, and you could see the affection that was there. You know, Bruce said we laughed about those stories, like it was like, wow, you know, well, you know, people ask me a question, and a quarterback, you know, made a bad read here, made a bad throw there. What do you want me to say? I'd say the same thing to them, you know. And Tom knew that, and maybe it was different than what Belichick did, but it wasn't an issue. It wasn't like there was something between them. Um, and they worked through their they worked through their offensive you know differences and what they needed to do at the bye week, and you know they couldn't get together. That was the other thing. Like the bye week came, they were supposed to go play golf. They're going to go play golf and hang out for like three days at Memorial Old Memorial Course, and talk you know talk ball between golf swings. 
And then the, the league said, you can't get together on the bye week. <laughs> they were like, really? Nope, can't get together. So they did it by phone. You know, they it was just B.A. And, and Tom. And they worked some things out by phone. Didn't involve anybody else. Didn't involve Byron. Hey, I need more of this. I mean, less of that. And we saw what the changes were. You know, more play action, commitment to running the ball, pre-stamp motion, stuff like that. And they just kind of they kind of honed in on some of the things that they did well, and took sort of a less is more um, approach to it, if you will, and it worked. And you know, I don't think there was ever a time that BA or Tom thought they weren't going to win a Super Bowl. I, I think those two guys and Byron as well. I'm starting to get a feel that Byron left, which is a strong, strong personality in that organization. Like he, you know. Clearly, if you have to be pretty secure if you can coach Tom Brady. I don't care who you are. But, you know, he, he has the same sort of swagger and confidence that Brady had. And when you see Brady after the game on video going up to his teammates and, you know, some of the audio now. I don't know if Brady was mic'd up, but we we're hearing some of the audio with the boom mics, what he said to teammates, what he said to other players. It's really endearing. You can, you can see how... You know, him and Levante, that embrace was, that said it all. And Tom said on Monday that for him, you know, here's a 43-year-old man that's done everything in this game and, you know, just won his seventh Super Bowl. For him at this point in his career, the joy that he gets, he loves the process of football. He loves the nuances. He loves training. He's willing to make a sacrifice that most people would never make, let much less 43. But what he really enjoys is seeing his teammates and seeing what that meant to them, you know? Um, and, you know, Levante David, nine years, never went to a playoff game, much less won a playoff game, much less been to a championship or a Super Bowl. He goes and he wins the Super Bowl in the first year with Tom Brady. He is forever. This team is now forever, and that's what we're talking about, immortality. You know, when you're on a Super Bowl team from the the practice squad guy – to the look squad, you know, receiver. I mean, okay, for example, during the week, they needed somebody to be Tyreek Hill, okay? And so they have a track guy that was a receiver. He didn't play football at LSU. He plays now. And his name is Cyril Grayson. He ran like a four-two-five. Well, Cyril Grayson got the defense ready for Tyreek Hill. How did the defense play against Tyreek Hill? Pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. So even for a guy like Cyril Grayson, right, who is going to go to a ring ceremony sometime in August and get a Super Bowl ring, he has ownership of that game on Sunday. He's part of this team. He's part of the immortality that they have, um, This that this group of men, and wherever they go, wherever they are, wherever they reunite, um, whenever stories are written about them, they all have a piece of this, and history will record it, and it'll never change. And they'll be they'll be linked through that championship, and that's what that's what winning a Super Bowl does, right? It gives you immortality. Um, it gives that accomplishment a uh, historical you know place. And so I I just think that you know. We'll look back on this. And, look, I, I don't know what will happen next year. You know, it's easy to say, well, presumably they should be better. And you know what? They should. But they got to keep free agents. It's, it's, there's going to be hard decisions on that. 
some players may take less money. Mm-hmm. I know there was a, a Bruce Arians told somebody that you know Mike Evans said, well, I don't think he said take less money, but do what you need to do with my contract because they've been taking Mike's contract and you know let's say he makes fifteen million, right? They've been giving him eleven million now, and then you know sort of kicking some of it down the road, yeah. the rest of it down the road, and that way you create you know twelve million dollars a salary cap or whatever, and that's what Mike's willing to do. It's no skin off of him, really. He gets some money up front. I don't know what the tax consequences are, but whatever. But, you know, Bruce said on Monday that, hey, you know, yeah, we have some, you know, we have some work to do and soon. But we're hoping that guys want to win another ring and that they might take less money. And you know what? They might. It depends on the player. If you're in Domicon Sue, if you want to play again, and he he won his ring, right? Mm-hmm. That was his his pursuit. He lost one with the Rams to Tom Brady. He won one here. Maybe Indomitian Sue says, "You know what? I got twins coming. I'm done. I've got a ton of business interest I want to get to. Mm-hmm. I've played enough football. I'm through." Or or maybe he says, "That was so much fun. I don't need. You know, I don't necessarily need the money. It's a huge sacrifice on my body, my time, my family." But you know what? I want to win another one. I love playing with these guys. I'm going to play another year, but I don't need $8 million. I'll take six. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll take less money to come back and try to win a ring. And if guys will do that, if enough guys will do that, you can keep this core of players together. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I I was thinking about this today. And how much – and they, they got there different ways because the Bucks did a lot of it through free agency and, and, and the, the Lightning didn't. But how similar the Lightning and Bucks seasons were this past year. And they both ended mm-hmm. in championships. Yeah. If you remember the Lightning, granted, they had a really good season the year before. But they decided we have to do things differently. And they struggled for the first month and a half of the season, two months of the season. Kind of started figuring out once they got to Sweden, but then still struggled for a while. It wasn't until Christmas that they turned it on. And, you know, but they were trying to do things differently. It was about the process. John Cooper talks about it all the time process over the outcome. It's about mm-hmm. the process, doing it the right way. And it's really what Tom Brady, Byron Leftwich, Bruce Arians did for this team and the defense, too. The defense struggled at the beginning of the year. But it was about the process. Yeah, they did. It was about the process. The offense definitely struggled. Of course, new quarterback, new receivers, no off season. You know, I mean, for the offense, it was you know, and predictably, and we all said it all along that early in the season is going to be a struggle. We'll see how it progresses through the year. Mm-hmm. And all season, and, and you've talked about how Tom Brady and Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich never lost faith that they would win the Super Bowl. It was about the process. And it was about figuring it out along the way. And it gets frustrating as fans, particularly when you see them get crushed by New Orleans on your home turf, what, week nine, and giving up 17 and 200 yards to Tyreek Hill in the first quarter against Kansas City. 
Mm-hmm. But it was all part of that process. And much like the, the Lightning had some difficult – the Lightning's process has been a little longer with losing the Cup in 15 and then not getting back as quickly as they thought they would and the, you know, losing to Pittsburgh and Washington and when they had leads in those series in the Eastern Conference Finals. And, you know, but it was always about the process of getting there. And well, and, and and the leaders of the team and that and and you know so it, it wasn't exactly the same thing, but the microcosm of what the Buccaneers season was was we don't need to be good at day one, mm-hmm. we don't need to win the Super Bowl in in September, we're going to win it in February. How do we get there? And and right. the way they navigated this season, and I think the late bye week helped them because they ended up. While they weren't playing great early in the season, they were what seven and two, seven and two start. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, they 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 lost to New Orleans, and I forget the other team they lost to in that that the, Chicago, Chicago. That's right, yeah. that awful game yeah. that they gave away. They were they yep. were like, you yep. know, we we gave them this yep. game, and and they learned from that. Yep, because I think that that you talk about process. They had mm-hmm. eleven penalties, uh, six on taking yes. one drive, and and Brady went nuts on them. And the process there was, hey, we gave this game away twenty to nineteen. We gave it to them. We can no longer beat ourselves, mm-hmm. and that that was part of that process. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they, the squeaker in New, New York, barely yeah. getting by the Giants, yeah, um, who was a more physical team. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was all about the process, and they learned from it all along the way, and all the punches they took. And you know, when you really go back through the season and knowing the challenges that it had with, like I said, without the off season, without. Uh, exhibition games without being able to meet in person half the time and, and just everything else and how many new parts, particularly at the most important position quarterback and the way they navigated this process. It's really stunning. That was the thing that Bruce Arians pointed out on Monday. He said, you know, um, and, and I, I witnessed this when I go to, when I would go cover Super Bowls, the one that stands out to me is I went, and the Eagles beat, you know, the Patriots that year with uh-huh. uh, Philly Special and, and Nick Foles and all that. And when I would go to those news conferences to a man, to a coach and a man on that Philly's uh, uh, Eagles team, they all talked about how much caring and love they had for each other. Like, it was almost like, come on. Uh-huh. But you know what? It was legit, right? It was It was Frank Reich was the quarterback's coach. Like, they had an unbelievable staff. They were incredibly tight. Not all those guys were stars. They did their jobs. They they had an affection for one another that you could really it was it was palatable. You could feel it. Um, and you know, we know there were there were friendships on the Patriots too. They but they've always been more buttoned up because of their head coach. Um, I think that this was you know a team, and I think championship teams do this. Is there comes a point where you have to put your ego in the drawer, right? So two things. One, the process of learning a new offense, which is something that Peyton Manning didn't do, Tom had to do first time in 20 years. Bruce Arians told a story that they're on the bus to New Orleans, you know, I think the bus or the plane um, to play their season opener. And Tom Brady is still saying, what's the name of that play again? Now, what what is this guy, what is this guy supposed to do on this play? Think about that. I mean, he he was still trying to spit out the verbiage. Forget about the picture that he needs in his head, right, to execute. And then the quick twitch. You talk about, you know, you, you hear the word, the term quick twitch with quarterbacks. We're not talking about it being necessarily physical. 
it's sort of a mental picture, you know, that you know where the ball is going and it's out of your hand and it's accurate. You have that quick twitch decision-making ability. That's what we're talking about. Well, Brady lost a little bit of that because he had to be thinking about the offense and he didn't know it and he didn't have enough time on task. You know, it wasn't a typical off season, much less for a guy that for 20 years had done it. The other part that you talked about was personnel. And this is where the lightning reminds me of them a little bit is that, you know, when you've got a pretty good team, I mean, they had a pretty good team. They had good talent here already, or Tom would not have come. They Mm -hmm. had Mike Evans. They had Chris Godwin. You know, they, they had a decent offensive line. They had OJ Howard and Cam Brate. Um, the defense was young in the back end, but they had some, some budding stars like Devin White, um, veteran defensive tackles, uh, Vita Vea, who was an ascending player, JPP, Shaq. So he saw all of that. He saw there was talent on his team, but what did they do with it? They added to it, right? Uh, Ronald Jones was an unproven commodity. He was their talented guy, and for most of the year, he was their starting running back, right? But they knew that they didn't have a lot behind him. They drafted Keyshawn Vaughn, but he was a rookie. A rookie without training camp was way far behind. They went and they got LaShawn McCoy because he, he could function. He could play. He had a role. But then they, they went and got Leonard Fournette. And Leonard Fournette sulked for most of the season. He really did. And it took you know guys like McCoy to talk to him and get him to accept his role that, you know what, you're not in Jacksonville anymore, Toto. This is not your deal. It's Ronald Jones's show. And one day, we don't know what day that will be, we may need you, and you have to be ready to play. And it turned out to be the postseason. That's when they needed him. And he became playoff Lenny. I mean, that's a moniker now that will stick with him when he's in free agency. You know, because you like, you want to you wanna sign Super Bowl Lenny or playoff Lenny. You know, both those guys averaged over five yards of carry in that Super Bowl. I mean, they ran at will. And so, you know, then you had, you know, Halfway through the season, here comes Antonio Brown. Everybody's like, oh, my God, Scotty Miller, right? Oh, my God, one more mouth to feed, one more football. How are they going to – you know, Mike Evans is going to get less targets. And Chris Godwin, you know what? They accepted it. They needed somebody like an Antonio Brown, somebody who was good in short spaces, somebody that could, you know, be explosive. Um, You know, he had the red zone catch uh, in the Super Bowl. Uh, You know, and so you can go right on down the line, and you can see where, you know – Fournette, Gronkowski, you know, like Tom wanted to come to Tampa, but he knew nobody, didn't know a soul, okay? But he knew this guy that, you know, quit playing in New England because his body was all broken up, and frankly, he was tired of the Patriots. And he called, and he convinced the Bucks to trade for his rights, and he talked. I mean, his dad told me, Gronkowski's dad said, he goes, look, Tom talked him into it, talked him into coming and playing with him. And so what happened on Sunday? Gronkowski catches two touchdown passes. Brown catches another one. And Leonard Fournette runs for a score. It's all process. That's part of building a championship team. This segment of Sports Day Tampa Bay is brought to you by Breitling Boutique. Breitling Boutique's in the International Plaza. You know, it's one of only 15 in the United States. And they have welcomed championship quarterbacks and Hall of Famers and championship boxers as clients. But they'll treat everyone the same when you come in. So tell them that Rick and Steve sent you. And just for trying on one of those beautiful watches, you will get a free Breitling cap. Breitling Boutique in International Plaza. 
Speaking of the Lightning, they went 4-1 to one in Nashville. I thought it was cool that uh, on Super Bowl Sunday they all gathered. Did you see the photo of them wearing all their Lightning gear? Yeah, they boarded the, the plane riding it. Uh, Alex Korn even had a Bucks helmet. Um, as Tyler Johnson mentioned, he's an influencer, so he's got to take it to another level. <laughs> he is. Glorn is that influencer. That's a good point. Yes, he's worked. He's worked really hard on being an influencer. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but so yeah, they, so the they were all yeah. The Bucks fans they were in Nashville on the road watching it um, yeah. as a team and and cheering them on. And quite frankly, they came out on Monday night and continued the defensive dominance from Tampa Bay teams because the first two periods. <laughs> they played outstanding defensively. Uh, Curtis McElhinney was in net th- and didn't even have to yeah. face many shots the first two periods. Isn't that the good part? Like McElhinney had to play at some point, right? I mean, you can't. Mm-hmm. You, first of all, you want him to play because if Vassy goes out there yeah. and tweaks something, and he goes on the ice without ever having been in net for twelve games. Well, McElhinney, no, the, no, no, forget twelve games. McElhinney hadn't started a game since March eighth. Jeez, it's been a, it was eleven months to the day since he started. Oh the game. my god! He did not start one game in the bubble. That's right. Um, Vasilevsky played every minute. That's he, right. Vasilevsky had played every minute of this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, and McElhinney probably would have gotten in sooner, but he got COVID, so he was out for a few weeks. There you go. So he's now back. Now this was a back to back. They'll play again tonight in Nashville. So. They gave mm-hmm. McElhinney the first game of the, the back-to-back. And Vasilevsky actually was scratched from the lineup hmm. on Monday night. So they gave him completely the night off. Christopher Gibson, who's on their taxi squad, was the backup goalie, had anything happen to Curtis on Monday night. Just to give right. Vasilevsky completely the night off. Like, you're not putting the come. uniform on. You're not putting the gear on. Mm-hmm. You get the night off. So cool. That's one of the advantages with the taxi squad is you can actually do that. A little more, particularly mm-hmm. with goalies, because normally you only have two goalies. So, and granted, right. the backup goalie generally just sits on the bench the whole time. But sometimes you are called into service. So, well, that was cool. And then I also think, tell me if I'm right about this or not. But when you have your backup goaltender in, there's more of attention to defense because you don't want to hang that guy out to dry. He's not Vassy, right? You got to mm-hmm. be a little more on top of things, if you will. Yeah, and particularly a guy who hasn't, you know, started a game in 11 months. I mean, no, granted, mm-hmm. McElhinney's a veteran, and, you know, that's one of the reasons you have him as your backup, and, and you moved on from Louis Domingue two years ago to bring in Curtis McElhinney. You wanted a – granted, Louis was looking for a starting job, but you wanted a more seasoned veteran that understood the role that this is Vassie's job. I'm just here to spell him when he needs it, and – Mm-hmm. And, and 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 has experience doing that, and is okay playing once every two weeks. Um, we're, you know, we know Vasilevsky likes to play a lot, and would you know if it's up to him, he's playing every game. Uh, exactly. Now you have to you know protect him from himself, and that's you know why coaches give him time off. And it'll be curious as they're rolling right now. I mean, eight one and one ties for the best start in franchise history from the twenty seventeen twenty eighteen season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're so you're what, ten games into a fifty six game schedule at this point. So it'll be curious how much McElhaney plays. I mean, that's one of the things everyone's not sure of is how much is your backup goalie going to play. I mean, typically in an 82-game season, you might have 13 to 15 back-to-backs. Well, in the 56-game schedule, you had five scheduled at the beginning of the year. That's it. Now, the Lightning have seven right now because of some rescheduled games. So you figure he's going to get you know one of the back to backs for sure, but that's only seven games of the fifty six game schedule. So to be curious where they where they slot Curtis McElhinney in going forward. Well, if the way he played, you know, 
Monday mm-hmm. night is any indication. You could use him as much as, as he can handle, I guess. Yeah, I mean, every time he's come in, he's he's played well. Um, sometimes the defense in front of him hasn't always been as good. Um, mm-hmm. n- not Tonight, not counting that, but in the past. But uh, tonight, uh, he was very good when needed, and the team in front of him was good. Anthony Sorelli with two goals. Um, Those are beautiful from weird angles, too. Mm-hmm. Like, Yeah, I know. think Pecorine, particularly the first one, was kind of like, what? Where'd you hit that from? <laughs> wall. You know, it was like, you know, couldn't, Parallel believe, it, to the net. couldn't believe it yeah. went by him. Um, right. You know, and the second one was basically the same kind of shot. So and yeah. then they got two empty netters. So it was a good game. Uh, you know, the Lightning, like I said, 8-1-1 one, and one through 10 games, 17 points out of 20. You take that every day. Shoot. You're you're rolling at that point, and that's what they're doing. So good for them to to not have that you know that hangover. And we talked about because it's a reduced season. I mean, you can you know you play these teams twice in three days many times. You know that's that's a four point swing if you lose if you drop two mm-hmm. games. You know to one team that's hard to make up. You know, um, so it, it it takes on yeah. a more urgent. Yeah, and they're all division games too. Start. So winning in regulation is very important. And, you know, right. they've been doing that for the most part. So, um, Lightning, so far, so good, 10 games into the season. Um, but you're starting to see around the league now a lot more games being postponed. Um, I know. The Wild, the Devils. Um, it's it's dangerous, yeah. They're all postponed more games on Monday night. And, you know, how they are able to get this season in, it's going to be a, a work in progress for the NHL. I think baseball is going to be difficult too, you know. I, I think NHL, it is. I, I think you know NHL is harder because of points because their system. But mm-hmm. the the one advantage baseball has is for the most part it's outside, outside, mm-hmm. which is one of the advantages the NFL had in getting through the season too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we know now, and in the NFL particularly did a ton of research and has put out a paper on this that outside is very much preferred to anything indoors, which. You know the NBA and NHL struggle with because their games are played indoors. Yeah, where you know baseball out, you know take out the trot, but for the most part it's played outdoors. And football, of course, for the most part is too. There's some domes around, but but a lot of those teams practice yeah. outdoors and and things like that. So this segment is brought to you by Marina Bay St. Petersburg Luxury Waterfront Homes, where sports fans and enthusiasts live and play. Marina Bay is a 60 acre gated community. On Bogusiega Bay. All new construction is available now. Contact them at marinabaystpete.com or call 727-906-3300. It's going to be interesting. But baseball has come to uh, some protocol agreements, seven inning double headers again this year. Like and in the extra innings, the runner starts at second base again this year. Love that as well. Uh, no universal DH at this point. So the National Hate League at that. this point does not have the DH. Stupid. Doesn't mean it won't change, or mm-hmm. they can't negotiate that, but this, this is part of a bigger issue. Baseball's issue is that their collective bargaining agreement expires in December this year. Yes, it does. So it's not just about this year. Everything's about the next 10 years at this so point because they're negotiating. Chip, keep well, that on the, t- on the table, right? And, and the owners want to give it to the players for expanded playoffs. Mm-hmm. The players want more than just the universal DH to get expanded playoffs. Right. So it's it's all a negotiation at this point. And we had one trade with the Rays, right? Uh, yes. Kev- no, not Kevin Kiermaier. I'm just kidding. Aaron Slagers <laughs> is no longer. Uh, happy trails, as, as uh, Tony Kornheiser would say. Happy trails to Aaron Slagers. Right. Going to Anaheim for the 
always popular player to be named later. But actually, no, is yeah. Actually, this clears roster space. They had to clear a spot spot on the forty man roster to put Chris Archer on the roster. So this is a move they ha- they had to make a move somehow. So this episode of Sports Day Tampa Bay is brought to you by Murata, where life is like a staycation every day. Contact them at MuradaStayK.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Sports Day Tampa Bay. As uh, we'll keep you informed all week on the latest on the Bucks and. Uh, as players make more appearances and uh, parties and celebrations are planned, we'll keep you up to date on that. Of course, the Lightning going to play tonight in Nashville. That is a late start. 8.30 is the puck drop. Actually, it's an 8.45 puck drop tonight uh, for NBC Sportsnet. So it'll be a late uh, late uh, night for Lightning fans. Is that game what? So 8.45 start. You're not going to end until 11.15-ish. So, oh, my. Um, if you're a Lightning fan, stay up late tonight. And uh, the Rays, uh, spring training, we're, what, eight eight days away, I think, from spring training now? That's incredible to me. So, I mean, you know, the Super Bowl's been played. That means baseball's up next. So, We might find out more about a parade uh, on this day. Uh, the Bucks, I think, are still talking with the city about yep. the possibility of having something, um, as far as my conversations have gone. I would think Nothing's... an announcement comes today or the latest Wednesday. Yeah, because the, what's going to happen is all these guys, including the coaches, are going to be getting out of town. Mm-hmm. And so, if you, if you want a good, you know, if you want to get the the A listers, right? The only one that got out of town on Monday was Gronkowski. He went to Disney World. Um, did not take Brady with him, but he went over there and filmed and, some stuff. And but, he said uh, he has not touched the Lombardi Trophy this time. I saw that because he remember he dented because he took dented swings it. with it. Yeah, a couple of years ago. Yeah, he's, he took batting practice with it with the, uh, <laughs> you know, he was funny man. He, I love Gronkowski. Like that's one guy I didn't know anything about, but he is who he is as you see him on TV and. Um, just, just a great personality. He's like, oh, you know, what are you going to do when you get it? Well, I haven't held it yet, and I think I'll, I'll probably hold it, and I'll probably caress it, and I'll probably hold it up over my head, but I just want to be in the moment with it. I just want to be alone with the trophy. Like, he's so funny. Mom, where's my football pants? <laughs> right? <laughs> it's perfect, man. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hope you uh, get some rest. I know we need it. God knows. Uh, we've gotten very little the last two nights, so hopefully that improves as the week goes on, but... Um, in the meantime, enjoy yourselves in the Basque of Champa, Champa Bay, which I love, by the way. I think it's going to stick, Champa Bay. Uh, and all the uh, all the, the last five months have brought us. It's just really incredible. Um, it's been quite a ride, and it's just going to keep going. And then, of course, free agency is around the corner. So we're not going to stop talking about the Bucks, or the Lightning or the Rays or anybody else. And um, we're glad you guys listened to us. So for Steve Bursnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 